on screen podcast presents three men and a meeple are you interested in playing games that don't appear on the screen well that's why we're here join david sean and owen while they talk about all things tabletop now pass the dice because our next turn starts now welcome welcome to an, another exciting episode of three men and a meeple that's right we changed our name and maybe next week we'll change it again but who knows we are no <laughs> probably not <laughs> because we are too hard to find on the internet three men and a meeple have not been taken and we are glad you are here with us we've got myself we've got david and we've got our newest full-time host owen because you guys loved him so much Boy, hey. how are you excellent I like yeah, I'm that. Doing, I'm doing great. You know, doing we uh, so we decided great. to tell Owen that he can't leave us, so yeah. he's going to be here every uh, every episode for for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to be in the background. Yeah, just breathing heavily into the mic. Can, can yeah. you imagine? We're like, oh man, we have to record something. <laughs> Owen, can you log in and say nothing? <laughs> yeah, this my yeah. presence will. You know, it'll go through the the, the, the mic and it'll be good. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've got to say we're we're really excited to have you guys all here with us. Um, the support has been overwhelming, and we thank you very much for for tuning in and uh, spending some time with us learning about board games and uh, the ins and outs as to why David hates Catan. But enough about David. <laughs> let's let's first figure out what we all played this week. I know I had a, a, a calm week. It was it was more board games and video games, which was really, really crazy for me. But uh, after playing Azul with you guys last weekend, I tried it again with Krissa. And I, I got to say, I, I found it way more interesting when the math did itself. Um, yeah, the, the, the scoring in that game, like the rule, like we're well, talking about rule works. But yeah, the, the scoring in the rule book is a little confusing to me as well. Yeah, so, yeah when a computer can do it all. Amazing. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't really play anything this the last uh, little while i i actually ended up lending a bunch of games to one of my coworkers. nice that's that was exciting for me you know like you know when you're actually given the ability for someone to experience something it's kind of like you know what we had talked about in our last two episodes you know like bringing those new experiences to your friends who otherwise have not really seen anything other than you know monopoly and scrabble and stuff like that uh so i lent them azul a hey, few Azul. weeks ago and they absolutely loved it and then they ended up giving it back feeling like they had it for too long and i'm like you know what i have so many games if you want to try anything else like i have I have a bunch of uh new games that you have never played right so i ended up giving them uh to borrow uh machu koro horrified royals and i gave them azul back because they love that one back they love that one so much so i didn't really play anything but uh i i gave the gift of games to someone now, did you lend it to them or are you just having them? Are you storing them at this person's place? Is it like a win-win for both of you in this situation? You're like, okay. I, I, yeah, they're kind of being stored at, because I told them, I was like, there's no rush to get them back to me, right? Oh, like, yeah, that's definitely know. a storage. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you can borrow these great games here. Take them. They're like, I don't yeah. want them. We're like, take the games. Yeah, yeah. Just like the, the few that I have at your place right now. Yeah. Uh, Oh, we've been playing them and having so much fun with them, but we're not going to play them with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, really exciting. I finally got some replacement parts in for uh, two of my games. Or it's it's one game, but the game with the expansions. It's uh, Heroes of Earth 
oh, air and sea or whatever. Yeah. Uh, by Gamelin Games, it uh, is a massive like air. Sean, you would probably really like it. It's kind of uh, a mix of like fantasy and risk Ooh, uh, yeah. with area, area control, control. and. Yeah. Um, but it, the game is massive and it has these like you get these little airship things that you're the miniatures sit on, but it, they, they float above the, the board on these like clear acrylic stands. And in the base game, when you get it, the, the stands were just thrown in like a little baggie. So literally when you open up the box, they're just all shattered. Oh, of course. <laughs> right. So um, I, I sent a request in and actually, you know, you, oh, and you've gotten some uh, replacement parts right like you know how yeah, long it can yeah. take it can take yeah. forever right like weeks you so they show up, up you're like oh my god i can't believe i got yeah. it. like <laughs> this showed up in about two weeks from oh, like from like good. texas or something like that wherever they sent it from oh, and texas. they came in a nice like vacuum formed tray that holds them all so i'm like oh excellent they actually gave some good packaging they must have a lot of people send them back and they probably oh yeah like, all right we got to fix this and the, probably- the forums on the board game geek for for that game and on reddit most of, most of them have some sort of comment about broken airship stands yeah i don't think i have a table large enough to play this game oh yeah i have <laughs> so the base game the box is so big that it doesn't even fit on a calyx shelf like oh. it's it's the dis- the dimensions are too wide to fit in one of the cubbies there um everybody has Calyx shelves they should have they they, they i know right? <laughs> the, 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 the boxes box. the box is massive so i have the base game and then i got the five to six player expansion which add which adds four more races so like there's a there's a a lot to be uh, lot to, to, do. to do in this game i think owen you would like it too because it's kind of you, you like twilight imperium yeah. Oh no, you hate Twilight Imperium. I forgot no, no, about that. No. I love Twilight Imperium. <laughs> I've love never it. once uh, heard him talk about Twilight Imperium as if it was his favorite you, game. You know, I think uh this might be a, a good game for the three of us to uh to play once we finally can start traveling freely within our province. It's got a little bit of everything that we all all okay. enjoy. I'm not gonna okay. lie to you, I'm looking at it going wow, there's like ships and stuff. I totally want to try this. And I'm already contemplating buying it without knowing anything about it. This is th- my problem. I think it's on sale at, at Board Game Bliss for like more than half off. It's like yeah, 70% Yeah, it was like 60 right bucks. Now. Yeah. Which buy is like down from like 200. Here's, your, here's the thing. Don't buy it <laughs> because <laughs> I have a copy of it. And if you don't like it, then you're not sitting there with this big ass box that you can't fit anywhere. You can Dude, give it to me. have no room for anything right now. Yeah, yeah. My board game room is a mess. It's just board games everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, what about you, on? What did you uh, get up to the last few weeks? So, uh, yeah, well, yesterday um, broke out Dinosaur Island for the first time. That was awesome. Uh, we played Solar Storm for the first time. That was awesome. Uh, we played a game of Machi Koro last night. Also, that was great. Uh, tried Dead Man Tells No Tell No Tales uh, for the first time the other night as well. That was an awesome like uh pirate themed treasure getting game so i've been busy been uh busy wow. with board games did you it must uh, be nice to have somewhere to and somewhere and someone to play with yeah that's pretty great <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> um did you end up trying your sketchy copy of secret hitler I opened it up thinking like, oh man, this is going to be trash. I'm going to have to send it back, get a refund and like buy a full price copy. No, legit. 
it was like absolutely beautiful. Everything I'm very bummed I didn't jump on that. I'm not gonna lie. Well, like it's so sketchy because like there's so many copies of this game that are and like it could if it, it's a if it's a forgery, it's a perfect forgery. Like everything's in there. It looks great. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to play it. Well, I know around Christmas time, I found a copy randomly at a um, the hell are, the the calendar clubs. And yeah. I, was, I like I messaged David. I'm like, is this normal? Like, I thought it was banned in Canada for numerous reasons. And he was like, did you buy it? And he responded so late that I didn't go back and get it. Oh. But I, I've seen it a few sp- spots, a few stories as well, around like 40 or 50 bucks. But so I had to look into this. Uh, there was some controversy a few years ago uh, in Quebec where it was pulled off shelves. Uh, but I haven't actually found anything explicitly saying that the game itself is banned. I think it's just one of those games that retailers don't, don't really like to stock. don't like to <laughs> stock because people don't understand that you aren't playing as Hitler. It's kind of like a parody of like fascism and and mm, stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's and how it's bad. Um, so so, how powerful it is (laughs) yeah right and so i think that's why a lot of retailers don't carry it so that's why it's harder to find and when it and when it does come in uh it can be pretty expensive so yeah or you paid like what 20 bucks for that yeah it's crazy Uh, also well at mind games they have an entire shelf just of secret hitler so it's not like they don't care they're just like hey (laughs) they're just playing mind games with everyone yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like at least with the calendar <laughs> club, you could see them not caring because they open in November and close in January. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's good information to know because I was under the impression that it was banned. Even when we went to one of the board game stores we went to, we asked about it, and he was like, "Yeah, we don't carry that game," and we just assumed based off the information we had that it was because of that reason. Yeah. No, I I, I remember reading about the controversy in in Quebec a few years ago when that happened, but didn't really think too much of it because it's one of those games that you need what, like you need like five people to play it, right? It's five to 10. Yeah. I yeah. Think, so think it's, it's one of those games that if I game. can't play it with a small group of people, then it's, it's kind of lower on my list of games that I want to get. So, yeah, we have a whole shelf of party games that's like, we barely break out cause we'd never have enough people or the, the situation's not the right situation to break a game like that out. But, uh, that was that was last week's topic. <laughs> it's it's uh, a it's a similar mechanic to like the resistance, right? You, the yeah. more people, the better. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You you want to try to max out that player limit if you want to get like if you, you want to try to get maybe like like the lower side five, sure, but you want to get like eight to ten people to make that really a great experience, like how it was intended to be played. Yeah. Before we get into the show's topics, have you played the resistance with five people? It's awful. It's so easy to figure out. I have not actually. I haven't. Do I, I think I have the resistance, but I haven't played it yet. <laughs> it's it's incredibly easy to figure out who the two bad guys are when there's five people at the table. So it would probably be really scale? easy to play it with Owen because he's. I would just be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> start twirling his mustache. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Like put my fake mustache on and start twirling it. Um, does it scale? Like, does it? So, like, if you have five people, would it be only one bad guy, or is it still two? Yeah, the resistance I scales, I think, up to four members out of ten, I think. Okay. David, you yeah. might have to correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm not sure. I haven't uh, played yeah. it. Because Dark Moon does that, where like if you're playing with 
uh, a certain amount of people, you have a certain amount of people who are like the traitor, the infected. So if you have seven people, you have three infected. If you have five people, you have two kind of thing. It, it's just uh, always hilarious to me when it's like you're, you're playing one of these games and the the basic rule of thumb is everybody lets the first mission slide so nobody gets exposed and right. people fail it. But let's get to why we are here. We're obviously here to talk about board games. And now we are talking about step three, explaining the rules of the game. So we're going to go through a series of. Um, is, is it a step system? Is this like a. Well, like it's, yeah, not, really, it, it's not really a step system. This it's is not like phase three. Like of a, the, yeah, phase three it's of our a, board game program. Welcome to we, step we three. Have like, <laughs> we have yeah. like a learning system. Yeah. This one, we're just talking about rules. Yeah. Um, rules of the game. And yeah. Yeah. More so about what makes rules good or bad. Um, and then how can you segue or teach those rules to people? Uh, our first two episodes, we kind of talked about um, good introduction games for people who haven't played board games. And then good games to introduce them to. And then a little more advanced games as well. But a big part of getting people to play games is being able to explain them to them. Right. Uh, yeah. And there in, in our experience, especially Owen and mine, um, you know, we have hundreds of rule books to read. Right. So the, I find that the rule books can really make or break a game from the get go. Um, so yeah, today we're going to be talking about, just like uh, to some techniques and some the ways that we go about learning new games and how we uh, teach them to people. And then just, we're going to dive into a little more in depth about specific rule, but rule books, but like, you know, what makes them good, bad does the length of the rule book uh, affect how good the game is or how good the rules are. What do we think about reference guides, stuff like that. And then just some challenges of uh, teaching games to people. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want? Let, let's start off with the basics. Now, I, I, I'm very pro easy, but what makes a rule book good versus bad? To give you an example, I'm very simple. I like one sheet or one pagers, anything with a bunch of pages where I have to leaf through. It's a little bit harder for me to really get into and digest, especially before starting a new game. But I'll, I'll defer the topic to the experts here. What makes a rule good or bad? Or a rule book, good or bad, sorry. Uh, well, uh, to, to me, a good rule book, like very well laid out, very clear. Everything's um, nice and organized. Uh, you have a good reference material. Uh, like usually in the back, there'll be like uh, a glossary of all the terms. Maybe there'll be on the very back page, there's a nice breakdown of the phases um, and a lot of these bigger board game companies have like figured out how to make these really well put together good rule books. Um, and it just, it makes the experience of putting a game down, opening it up and learning it a lot easier. And then the same point teaching it to be like, uh, if, you know, someone's like, oh, hey, like, I don't know what this does. And you can go to the glossary and simply point to it and say, oh, here's what it is. And then here's what it does. Well, I, I think it's this is a, a difficult kind of topic in general, just because the 
it, it depends on the person reading the rule book, right? Like Sean just said that he likes, you know, the leaflet style books. Right. Whereas I personally find that leaflet style books um, are good for some games, but if the game has some like more depth to it than just, you know, playing cards or rolling a few dice, I find that there needs to be deeper explanation to game mechanics and stuff like that in the rule book. Right. So yeah, like, well, Mach- guess- Machi-, Machi Koro is a prime example. I think uh, the rule book for that game is fairly small. It's like four pages. It's like four pages, but it goes yeah. in depth enough to actually explain everything that you're doing in there. Yeah. Right? You don't really have any questions by the time you're reading it and you play like a round or two, you're like, okay, this all makes sense. Like I don't need to go back to the rule book very much or maybe once or twice to look up a small rule, but you're mm-hmm. not going back every five seconds to be like, Oh, what does this do? Or what does this yeah. do? Um, and I, like for the leaf flick games, uh, like this, those are like kind of the smaller box games when I'm kind of referring to like those bigger games um, that, you know, uh, will take longer or have a lot more rules. But yeah, those, those small leaf flick games, like those rules are usually pretty compact and pretty well written. Okay. So, um, oh, and let me ask you this then, because we've just gone over what makes a, a rule book good versus bad. When you sit down at the table and you're trying to determine the best way to learn a new game, do you start reading through the rule book first? Do you watch uh, a let's play on YouTube or um, do you just dive right in and try and figure it out? I know some games have the mechanic that allows you to just kind of grab and go, but I would think logically most games require you to at least take a glance at the rules, whether the rule book be 12 pages long or one. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of really great let, um, learn to plays online. So you have like watch it played, you have games or or you have channels uh, like dice tower and they will set down a game and they will just walk you through the setup, walk you through what a turn would look like, walk you through kind of any kind of general, uh, how the game goes. And then if you have the game, you can like open up the rule book and get those kind of like fiddly little details, but they do a really good job of, of explaining a game and getting you, getting you moving. Um, and that's how, uh, for like really popular games like uh, dead of winter. Um, or um, I, There isn't a lot of newer games that I, I, I do that with. Usually I'll just break open the rule book myself and just go through it. Yeah, Watch It Played is a great example for those people who haven't seen that kind of content. It's uh, it's great. I used to follow the, what was it called? The Will Wheaton one before he left. Oh, um, what was that called? Oh, Tabletop. I think it was tabletop. actually called yeah, Tabletop. Yeah, it's called Tabletop. Um, kind of sounds like Table Talk, you know, or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, David, just... Going on to the rest of that topic, when, when we're looking at learning a new game, we've obviously, Owen and I have determined that, yes, it's great to always take a look at the rule book first, because in nine times out of 10, you are always going to at least look at the basic mechanics of the game. However, my, my question is, when you're teaching a new game to somebody and you've sat down at the table and 50% of the table hasn't played the game, do you go off your knowledge or do you go, like introduce the rule book and pass it around? How how do you go about doing it? Well, I think a big part of it is um, the person who's teaching it has to have a, a pretty good understanding of the game. Um, 
and not everyone is good at teaching games right like they're they're that's not good me. at explain, not, they're not good at explaining yeah. things right that's that's me i'm not um, good at that <laughs> so a, pr- a prime example of uh me having to teach a game to some people or at least explain it is i, I feel like you kind of have to sell the game as well when you're trying to teach it right because some games can be so big and daunting that uh you know there can be so much going on that you're going over that it can just be become a deterrent to someone who is either new to the genre or new to the game or or just is kind of unsure about whether or not they they might enjoy it mm-hmm. so uh fury of dracula is a prime example i uh owen and i and some of our other friends we got together this was a few months ago and i brought this game over i i bought it i don't know probably about just o- over like almost two years ago before the whole pandemic thing even started. Actually, no, it was, it was be- just before pandemic season. Um, pandemic and, season. <laughs> and so I had, it's a game that you need at least three people to play. And for the longest time, you know, I was busy with school work, all that stuff. So never really got around to playing it, but we dis- decided that we were going to play it. And I was like, okay, I have to read this rule book because there's a lot to this game. So, I sat down one afternoon and I read through the rule book. I took all the components out. Uh, I looked at things so that I could at least understand what the rule book was re- referencing. And then I put it all back <laughs> and I brought it over. And as I was explaining this to Owen and I, I was trying to sell the game as well. Right. Um, but I find that in that game um, and other games do the same thing where the rules can be more detailed almost to the point where they're confusing for simple mechanics um so for for uh fury of dracula literally i just dumbed it down to okay this is what dracula does he has these cards he's going to be in these hidden cities or whatever and this track moves up and then the hunters do these things blah, blah 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 so explain the basics so that everyone can kind of get to the table and understand their goal what the what is happening in the game and then as things go through i like to teach while playing um some games don't really allow it right so some games like if it's and and we've done this a few times on where like we'll play like a few rounds and then reset the game at least so Uh, that people kind of have an idea on on what to do yeah and we actually did that the uh the other night when we were playing dinosaur island where we were reading the rules reading the rules like because the rule book is set out in like, here's the introduction, here's phase one, here's phase two, and all the rules for each phase. And we're reading through it, reading through it. It's like, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 pages. And we're like getting to the last, like almost the end, I'm just like, let's just start playing. Like this this rule book is set out in a way that you could play the first phase. Mm-hmm. There's all the rules, play the second phase. That's all the rules. So, and I find that's a situation where like it sometimes sitting back and having somebody, even if they kind of dumb it down or they um they paraphrase the rule book just to get things moving yeah like it, it's nice to have those games where you can just be like all right let's just start and like we'll figure it as we go and and there are some games where we've actually had to sit down and read through the rule book together um cthulhu death may die was a prime example that's yeah we played that one right yeah yeah we did uh where i've played the game a few times but there's a lot to that game right there's a lot of little things that you have to do and game mechanics the game itself is actually pretty easy to pick up and play once you play it but you have to kind of go in and 
you have to know what your characters are able to do and how things work, right? Because like you have your character uh, board with all the character stats and everything like that. And then there's monsters movement, enemy movement, all that stuff. So when we played that one, we we set the game up and then I just quickly went through the rule book for the most important things that we need to do. So like character movement, health, attacking, um, item management, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so I feel like that's also another very viable option. But the problem with doing that is that if people don't learn that way, you know, right. it's it's kind of diff- difficult for people to it can be difficult for people to retain that information. Yeah, uh, I, I'd agree. Um, I, I look at some games, even like uh, Seven Wonders or Seven Wonders Duel. You have a long um, rule book. And sometimes when calls are made during the game, you have to actually take the time to like leaf through the, the, the book to try and kind of figure out what, what you've done or what hasn't been done. And it's still very daunting for somebody who's maybe not like everybody plays board games their entire lives, but I would consider myself a beginner at this point when it comes to more advanced games, right. Or intermediate to advanced games. So my, my, my next question is now that we've gone over the rule books, we've gone over why we want to use the rule book almost exclusively to teach games. Does the length of the, uh, the length of the rule book determine how good the game is and whether or not you would teach it to some people. Um, yeah, the, the length of a rule book, I don't think determines how good a game is. Like I have a few smaller card games that have a, just a one sheet rule book, like, like you said, like leaflet and they're just tons of fun. And I have some games that have 30, 40 page rule books and I would break them out like every once in a while, like, there, it does that that doesn't really determine how good a game is. Okay. I th- I think the the length of a rule book can cause could be a deterrent to learning and teaching a, a game. Yeah, for uh, sure. Because if you get a book that, uh, well, Gloomhaven, for example, it's like a sixty page rule book or something. Right. Like that. um, I've had some other games where the rule books are like twenty five thirty pages. And for someone like me, who is more, I would say, more of a seasoned board gamer, you know, it's not that big of a deterrent. I actually see those things and kind of be like, oh, my God, there's like a ton of content in this game. Like there's a lot to take in. But at the same time, it can make it very difficult to teach the game if you are constantly having to reference the rule book and uh, and really the the biggest thing like the bigger the rule book is as long as it's organized properly then it's it's easier to teach but um i find that there are some companies that make are notorious for having like really big thick rule books um or or rule books that are just really long because like they're they're filled with a bunch of other like images and stuff like that um Cool mini or not, I feel they're like oh, one of, they're one of those, right? Yeah, like Arcadia, the rule books. Arcadia Quest is like that. Like it'll be like it's like a you know twenty page rule book, but like some of the pages are like three quarters of just images and like yeah, you know, graphic graphic um, art and stuff. 
which is really cool. It's really nice. But if you slap, just say you're to like sit down with a group of people who never played it and you're to put down a 30 page rule book, they're going to look at that and be like, Oh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that long, but it's nice. They have that extra artwork. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, there, there are also companies. Fantasy flight games is uh, has been really good for this, where they have two rule books, a learn to play rule book, which kind of just does the basic stuff to get you going. And then they have a, a separate book that has a rule reference. Actually, um, Fury of Dracula had that as well, right? Just a, a rule reference, which we had to actually reference it a few times. It's it's always funny when I, I think like, oh, okay, these rule references, like some of these things, like these questions are so obscure. Right. And yet, you know, it well, happens and you end up having to reference that. that well, that's book. nice. Just to be able to be like, I, I like, I know what I want to ask. I want to ask, say like, if I want to look up a rule on movement, you just open up the, the glossary or whatever. And you, you look up movement and then it'll say, okay, I don't know what I want, but at the bottom of it, it'd be like other keywords. So you might be like running so you can look up then running and then, Oh, there, that's my, what I want to look up and I'll give you an answer. So they, they've done it very well where you can, uh, have those quick learns like because usually the book will be a quick learn book maybe an advanced rules book with a glossary in it so you can be like i want to get this game on the table i want to start playing here's a quick learn it's like i don't know maybe eight pages they'll give you all the basic rules and then if i want to add any advanced content or i want to get deeper into the rules to like you know mm-hmm. fill out some of that you can go to the advanced rule book so there, they kind there's of, also sorry go ahead Oh yeah, they just they they've made it more accessible, which is nice. Yeah, there's also some games that I've played where the first few pages of the the rule book just kind of gives you the basic stuff, right? right? And then it says like on page four or five, I'll say, okay, now you know enough to play your first game. Yeah. So play your fun. first game. Once you've done that, come back and then we will explain more advanced game techniques and advanced rules, right? Wasn't that with like um, Legend of Andor did that? Yeah, actually Legend of Andor is a, a very, I would say a unique experience because the the rule book is actually very uh, streamlined. And right. so Legend of Andor, uh, for people who don't know, is a adventure role-playing game, I guess. Uh, but on a board game you're not like role playing like dungeons and dragons it's more of a fantasy yeah game. you Anyways. have your character and you kind of you can le- like level them up and like make yeah. them beefier you get like, like experience uh, equipment and stuff like that so the game story is played through a deck of cards that um advances as you guys like take turns and stuff like that there's like a day night cycle kind of thing all this stuff so the very first one though is a quick tutorial so in the rule book, it tells you just either to start playing it and it will tell you exactly what to do on the cards. Um, and the rule book has like a few kind of like setup instructions. But as you're playing through that tutorial, uh, it gives you a story. But then at the same time, it, it explains like tokens that you're uncovering and and enemies yeah. and when they and how things are so that was a really interesting way because uh, a really interesting way of teaching or learning to play a game because i read that rule book before i brought the game over and i'm like oh, okay well i understand the how to set the game up but i don't really know how to play the game because you have to play the game to learn it uh, to learn it so good that's great 100 percent 
in any game i think anyways well well, the, the game it physically is designed that you have to play it to, to learn, learn it. how to play the game right it's yeah. it's not necessarily one of these games where you can read through the rule book and understand everything you have to do like they have like an advanced rule um reference but the basic mechanics of actually playing the game you learn through doing the tutorial which is built directly into the game which was actually a really cool um really cool mechanic which i think makes that game very accessible to people but then <laughs> remember we played the second round and got completely obliterated so oh my god that game is so hard <laughs> it is difficult but it was a ton of fun yeah, and it, was it was probably one of my most enjoyable learning experiences of playing a game because yeah. it just gets Wait. you right in there Wing, wingspan is also like that where um they have a deck of when you open the box you unpack everything to play your first game it comes with a introduction first and second round where they give you a deck of cards everybody gets some of those cards and then uh it shows you instructions about okay if you have this card in your hand and you play it here this will happen and then you play about i think it's two or three rounds with the cards they give you to start out and then you kind of go from there where you start drawing your own cards, right? They kind of give you those first steps so that, uh, you know, by round three or four, hopefully you've picked it up enough that you can be like, oh, okay, I have this card and I can now do this with it. So that that's another really great uh, beginner game, I think, Wingspan is, with uh, a nice short rule book and that great introduction to the rules in the first few rounds. So you guys brought up quick reference gu- <laughs> quick reference guides, and that's where I'd like to go next. So some games do have that element where having the quick reference guide is hugely important. I don't want to bring up Catan too much because it'll hurt David's feelings, but Catan's one of them where you always have the building elements with you. Another one would be something like Pandemic. Right. Hold on. I can talk about Catan. I just don't like playing it. No, we're, we're making you a villain. It's fine. I, I can hear him getting upset. Like, I can hear the little <laughs> tears hitting the, the microphone. The fans want you to be the, the anti-Catan villain. And one day when we do a stream or a recording of Catan, we oh. will hope you're really grumpy the entire time. I can't oh, I wait to be. play Catan with, with David. I can't wait. Oh, so when it comes to quick reference guides, and I was thinking about this while you were talking, um, what what is the biggest impact of having a quick reference guide? And would you like it if more games in their, their rule pamphlets or booklets had an FAQ as well? Now, the reason I ask this is you brought up two uh, points where I, my mind was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I find sometimes when you're contesting a rule or you're trying to figure something out, it's quickest to Google because you don't want to like plow through the, the, the pile of rules, right? So maybe an FAQ card would be kind of cool. I, I just want to know what your thoughts are on, on both of those. Um, I find that Googling doesn't always, isn't always quicker than flipping through a rule book only for, it's only faster for like obscure things that you can't find in the rule book. I think, um, right. we usually f- search online if we can't figure it out in the rule book or if we can't, if we don't want to house rule it. Right. I, yeah. I find that, uh, if, a well, there are games that they have an FAQ, which is useless. Um, How dare remember you. when we were playing? <laughs> remember when we were playing Set a Watch? Oh, oh God, yeah, a game. That game is difficult, but I felt like the frequently asked questions in the end of the end of the rulebook were were useless and did not really answer any of our frequently asked questions during that game. 
Well, they're very um, specific. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I find that if a game has more player control, right? So like if there's more things that a player can do, a quick reference guide that is either a double-sided card or part of their player board, or even a separate player board that can be passed around the table is a must, is an absolute must. Yeah, I think every every game should have a quick reference card, and any game that doesn't include one is like either like kind of they're 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 shooting themselves in the foot because we we do have a few games that don't include quick reference cards or like a quick reference sheet on the back like some like i i hate opening up a game and seeing the back of a rule book that's just a blank page or has like some like you know art or whatever on it and not a quick rules reference like those are things that are uh Mm -hmm. imperative to get people at the table and to like make the experience easy Mm-hmm. Even just like a quick reference on what different icons are and stuff like that, because some games have really obscure icons that, you know, that are different from the traditional, like, okay, this is a power token, this is money, this is, you know, my, an enemy token or whatever. They don't necessarily say it specifically on the token, right? So just having a quick reference on what those things are on the back of the, the rule book is always very handy. But I find that having, um, I'm pretty sure Scythe has them as well, right? Like a little kind of card. Yeah, they they actually have a bunch of cards. Uh, I think each person gets like four rule of reference cards. So they have like just a deck of rule of reference Mm -hmm. cards. Um, Horrified has quick reference cards. Uh, Like there's a ton of games that actually have these little quick reference cards, which for people who are uh, learning the game, it's great because it prevents them from having to stop the flow of the game right to ask oh hold on like what does this do or what's my next turn or like what's the turn order dead of winter has a really great system on their character sheet because everybody gets a um i forget what it's called like it but it's essentially a character sheet where you keep all your tokens and stuff and on it it just shows it shows the uh phases of the game it shows what the cleanup phase is like. It shows everything that you can do with the actions you have. And it's all so well laid out that really, if you have any questions about what you can do on your turn, it's right there. Mm-hmm. It's right in front of you. It's right in the sheet. So and, unless you have any very specific questions and you need to go to the rule book, you know, you don't have to. Yeah. And, and Dead or Winter is a prime example of a game that has a lot going on. There's a lot of different phases and stuff like that. But because the way that the game is designed physically, uh, it is very accessible for people to just kind of follow through. Because, you know, once everyone's turns done, everyone just looks at their player, their player sheet there and is like, okay, well, now we're going to clean, clean you know, the do this thing. We're going to pay our dues for food, check the all of the stuff right check the (laughs) waste add zombies right like all of that stuff and it it makes it more of a a a community or a group thing the end of phase stuff because everyone is can follow along and not it's not just one person who remembers or has the the rule book with the the reference guide on the back or whatever where they're like okay well now we have to do this like now we have to do this everyone can kind of take take part in something else right like i yeah. always like having someone else check um 
for the the crisis, right? Like you have right. to submit food or item, like different items or whatever. And you know, it's always interesting, like just having someone else go through that deck to see if someone's sabotaged the group, right? Yeah. Like, or like someone you know, has so, zombies while somebody's like, yeah, checking like checking the waste, and somebody's, you know, yeah, everybody everybody can help out that way because they can all yeah. see the the rules reference and all see or all see like the phase order. Mm-hmm. So things like that, it, it it's such. Um, it's a, a great way to get people into the game and and make sure that they're able to follow along and know what they can do because nothing's worse than sitting there and having someone like, oh, what can I do in my turn? Well, it's like, well, no, mm-hmm. you can you can see it's right in front of you, right? And and then there's always games that either have really bad uh, quick reference guides or they just don't include one, yeah. um, and then that's where the community the the bigger board game community comes into play. Yes. Uh, there's so many people that take time out of their day to streamline role books and create quick reference guides and stuff like that. And they upload it to the, the, the game profile on board game geek. You know, I I've lost track of the number of games that I've printed off community made reference guides because they are just so desperately needed. Um, Arkham horror second edition. Mm. is one that I've printed off like four or five different uh, reference guides because that game, it's in the third edition now, which they've done a a major overhaul on the game in general. And it's a lot easier to learn and play um, and put together. But the second edition of Arkham Horror, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is the, the rule book is so in depth and this is the fantasy flight games and i think this was one of like their earlier games before they got good at making robux <laughs> oh that's the <laughs> like same they, with uh yeah like some of their other um, arkham properties their early stuff is just terrible <laughs> mm-hmm. so like there's so much going on into that game that it needs a it needs a concise and compact but well easy to understand quick reference guide so i had to actually download like a bunch just to have them in the game uh the the game is so hard and (laughs) i i understand why they did the did the third edition um and if you compare the the two the second and third edition like it's completely different um but then there's eldritch horror which kind of which came out of came out after Arkham Horror, which was more of a streamlined version of Arkham Horror. So that is generally considered the easier game to learn and play if you want to play like a traditional or an earlier Arkham or uh, Lovecraft fantasy flight game. Yeah, I um, ended up printing out a bunch of um, quick rules reference for Twilight Imperium just because that game is so huge. And again, like it's already a super long game. You're thinking like eight to 12 hours to play it. And then if to teach it, you have to, you're going to spend another two hours just teaching that game, like, or an hour to two hours, just like mm-hmm. explaining everything that's happening. So again, I went on board game geek, you know, the amazing website that it is. And somebody made all these amazing reference sheets and reference material. So I was able to print that out and like, I can hand one out to each player and be like, okay, I I'm going to break this down to you. Like what us on this reference sheet. And then you can reference this it, like for the phase order for turns, what you can do, what all the stuff does. So instead of like someone asking me a question as the person who knows it and me either giving them a poor explanation or having to read right out of the rule book, they can look at it themselves. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. 
So I feel like we could do an entire episode on just reference guides versus uh, rule books. But I want to continue the, the, the conversation along and move into something that David just brought up, and that's house rules. Are they welcome? And why is the first game you think of when house rules gets applied to is either beer pong or monopoly? <laughs> well, is there is actually beer pong, that... is beer pong considered a board game? <laughs> it, it, it's a board game, I think. Is it yeah, a board it's played game? on. A, I guess it's a table. table. It, it's a tabletop game. Yeah, it's a tabletop game. Um, no, it's it's just famously known for house rules because every house you go over to, there's different rules, right? But the same applies mm-hmm. to something like Monopoly. Where it's like, it's widely known that there's a very big difference between the actual rules and landing on get out of jail versus, or free parking versus house rules. Can you go around the the board once without purchasing? If you don't, is it free to go to auction or is there a one turn, like, uh, I guess it's a pause? Everything's different in Monopoly. I don't think I've ever played the same game of Monopoly twice. That, yeah. So, like, for me, house, like, House rules, I don't play by house rules too often just because, like, the designer wrote the game to be a certain way. If something's broken, if we're playing a game and it's just broken and it's not working and it's not fun, yeah, we'll be like, okay, like, this needs to be maybe altered a bit. But for generally, I don't I don't use house rules. I'm not against house rules per se. I find that there's a time and place for them. Um if you are, and we've come into this a few times where we've been playing a game and halfway we realize that we're playing something incorrectly. It hasn't necessarily yeah. broken the game, but we either weren't paying something or earning something when we should have been. So at that point, I think it's acceptable to create a house rule for that session. Yeah. like um, you, Instead you know- of changing... Yeah, instead of changing how you guys are playing the game halfway through, you know, just keep playing it that way as long as everyone is okay ag- with it. Yeah, in agreeance. It's like, yeah, um, that that's fair. I think, yeah, if, if you're making a small mistake and you might as well just, you know, continue on doing that and just make a note for, for the next time you play, okay, we got to change this for sure. Now, there was an incident that happened recently when oh, we no. were playing a game. An incident? Uh-oh. When uh, we were playing uh, a good old game called Betrayal of House on the Hill. All right. Uh, is this going to be about the time that somebody died and tried to come back to life? No, no, no. Good. no. So uh, this was, if you remember, the uh, the traitor, um, our good friend Angela, also right. known as my girlfriend. <laughs> she uh, she was trying to, she she made a move. She had played this move out in her head and she played it on the board. Which we saw her pre-count just for she, the record. She, yeah, she was doing all of this stuff and we let her play it out. After the fact, Owen tells her that, oh, this would be a better way for you to do this. You know, if you were to go this way, you'd be one space closer. You could then attack, blah, 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 blah. So then she was going to do that. I understand that. But this is where <laughs> oh no, <laughs> this is where a house rule can come into play. No, because we decide. Well, it wasn't even that. It was uh, especially in a game where you're competitive, and that I don't know why you personally were helping the trader because 
Like, did you want us to lose? We I don't know. Moments no. away from winning. <laughs> I just wanted it to be a good game for everybody. Okay, it I was a great sure game for everybody. Everyone. Had fun. So, in that case, though, we decided, or at least I told you guys, no, <laughs> we're the she made the move right. So it is not it is not fair to let her or let anyone really change their move because someone else tells them a better move, right? That right. that's kind of you are now playing for them and telling them, oh no, like this is better. And and I feel like in that instance, you know, sometimes like if it was it also depends on the type of game, right? Like if we we're right. all working together, I think people are more likely to be like, okay, you know what? Do that instead. Because in a co-op game, um, you know, you're, you're all working towards one goal, but once it turns into a competitive game, it's th- the same idea as some people play where once you let go of your token, your miniature, yeah. or once the dice is rolled, that's what you have to stick with. Right. That's a universal rule in all games ever. You pick up your or you take your hand off your movement piece, it's over. But that's not really a house because he was trying oh. to be nice. No, but see the thing is is it nowhere <laughs> <laughs> nowhere in the rule book does it, does it say, you know, you cannot redo or you cannot change your move after the fact, right? That's the thing. This is kind of like you said, it's a universal house rule, but it's not always enforced right and it really depends on the type of game and the people that you're playing with uh in in this case you know i've i did some stuff in that game where i could have moved somewhere else or i or whatnot right that would have been more um it it would have end ended better for us at the time but i didn't because in my mind i'm thinking okay well i made that decision i moved my character there whatever you were also in a crusty mood most of that game because no, it wasn't Owen and I wanted to spend a lot of the time in the vault just to be in the vault, and we the were vault playing was off. Cool. Yeah, you were playing. We were playing off your energy, and I like. I think secretly we were doing it to bother you, but it, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't think it was a secret. Everyone knew. <laughs> I just I wanted the sweet sweet contents of that vault. That's all I so, wanted. Yeah, and then I got it. Let, and then yeah. I got another vault. Let's anyway, stop the so. conversation on betrayal because we have a special presentation and our next episode after this one will be based on betrayal solely. So let's not talk about that game anymore. <laughs> okay. Like yes. we don't, yes. we don't want to ruin yes. the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's, let's go into our, our final topic of today. And this one is one that I'm very excited to hear your opinions on is the challenging, uh, the challenges of teaching games and how good is the teacher? Oh, God. So this is, I love board games. I love showing people board games. I love sharing people with board games. I suck at explaining rules. I'm just going to say I that. can I can uh, confirm that. Yeah. I am <laughs> Owen not, is terrible at explaining rules. I am not good at it. And it, it upsets me because I want to be good at it. I, I sit, I like as a hobby, I sit around and I read rule books just because I love flipping through mm-hmm. them and reading all the mechanics and stuff but yeah when it comes to actually sitting down and playing a game with people and being like oh i got this game i want to show you like and like get all the pieces out and i start reading the rule book and it just sounds like word garbage coming out of my mouth it's not terrible. word garbage it's well, word garbage. i've noticed this with you owen um and don't do not take offense to this because i've told you this before anyway so 
but you'll start <laughs> you'll start reading the rule book but then you get so i feel like you get so kind of like engrossed into the rules that you just start mumbling so, so yeah, it makes it very if it's a very long-winded sentence i'll like start i'll be like okay and you do this and this and this and, mm-hmm. and, and i think that's <laughs> when it comes down to and and this is a prime example of oh and you know how to play a lot of these games where I feel like if you are going to teach someone, it is better to actually just show them rather yeah. than like explain the basic mechanics of what the action is um, or or what the character has to do, but then just kind of show them an example. Yeah. Whereas uh, I personally sometimes am, am not very good at setting up an example or showing them. So I'll just read through the. I'll read through the rule book. And I did this with uh, Cthulhu death may die. And when we played mansions of madness, I would read the, the rule part of, you know, character movement or moving a enemy or something, and then just kind of show it on the board. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that with um, the next time I have to teach twilight Imperium. I, I started doing this a little bit last time I taught it. But yeah, you set up a little section of the board or you set up the board and you kind of play through uh, like the first, like you do one round, you do like a mock round or you do like uh, uh, just a, like a little example of like how things work and how things move and mm-hmm. how stuff like interacts. I think like a good one, because you love the, the game so much, Dark Moon. I do. I love Dark That Moon. is a great game that you can easily set up and play a few rounds to and explain, like show, you know, the, the rolling of the dice that, you know, that game is a, it's like a hidden, hidden, a hidden dice, hidden dice game, hidden roll game, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you can, you can explain it by rolling the dice without having it hidden so that people can see, okay, I'm going to roll these dice. This is the, the potentially what can come up and this is what I can do with this. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it it depends on obviously like there's a few different factors that you have to take into account when teaching the games. Uh, one is how well do you know the game? Uh, because if you have just picked the game up and you haven't played it, sometimes games aren't friendly for one person to play. Uh, there's been a few times where I've been trying to learn a game and it's for a uh, two to five players so I will actually set the game up and play two different players at the same time just to be able to understand the mechanics better. Yeah. See, what, it's what, kind what, of a pain in the butt, but it's sometimes you have to do that, right? So that's, that's what I do. So I'll read a rule book front to back like two or three times before I, I sit down and actually play the game with people. Uh, and then I'll still run into situations where like, oh, how does this work? How does this work? And I find that I don't actually learn the game until maybe the second or third time I play it. Cause then as you're playing it, you might have these fiddly little questions like, Oh, what if this does like, how does this interact with this? Or like, what happens if I do this? And you don't actually start to like learn until you start doing some of mm-hmm. those, some of those movements or, or whatever. And, and uh, an example of a time that that didn't happen, <laughs> which because it was impossible was when I was learning to play uh, fury of Dracula. I read that rule book and with that, I just took the components and tried to understand. And then uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, there's a lot of YouTube videos with uh, how to play videos, right? So I will read the rule book and then watch a how to play video with, and sometimes uh, reviews, even people explain uh, like the dice tower, like Tom Basil. Uh, some of his videos are really good at explaining 
like the basic the basics, rules. the yeah. basic mechanics of the game. So same thing with the shut up and sit down, you know, like they do a really good job at explaining the rules and how to play games in their reviews. So like there's a ton of resources on out there that will let people understand the game better if they are unable to play it right at the moment that they're trying to learn it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also, and, and we've mentioned this before, it depends on who you're playing with as well, right? Not everyone is able to uh, learn a game just by listening or reading rules. They have to see how the game plays out. Yeah. So and that's I, I, when, if you can set up the game to play a few rounds, right? Yeah. And explain that to them, at least give them the idea. So, and there's been a few times where if I'm playing a new game, right? Like Twilight Imperium was a, was one first time we played. I still had no idea what we we're doing. Same thing with Scythe. I still don't really know what I'm doing with that game. It was a lot of fun, but uh, I'm more willing to put my turn at the end of everyone else's. Yeah. Usually so that I can see how the game plays. Yeah. It's the first person like or the person who knows the rule book goes first so they can show everybody the first turn, right? That's kind of like how it goes. <laughs> you don't want to give somebody who's never played the game here. You're, you're the first player and they're going to be like, what do I do? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then also, Owen, you're not very good at this, though. I know. Wow. Just by no, 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 no. Down. <laughs> you're not just... very good at this, where if you're good at a game, if you're playing it with other people, you will still try and completely obliterate them. <laughs> so, I'm just going to say, I am not very good at board games. I play them with, and I love with, them. I'm not good at them. <laughs> with Scythe, with Scythe, what, the first time we played that game, you completely destroyed like everyone at the table. And meanwhile, the whole time, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing in that game. I It doesn't bother me, but I know that with some people, like they can be very competitive. Sean, you're a very competitive player. Right. Says who? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super competitive in everything I <laughs> so, do. So, you know, I feel like if you were to explain, say, risk to to me, right? I feel like you wouldn't hold back completely destroying me in that game. That's just because that's kind of in, in your nature. Like, you're a competitive person. So I think when you're teaching games to people even if you are super good at the game if you know the strategy sometimes i personally will like kind of take a mulligan on myself and i'm not going to do a move just because i know that it completely destroys someone's experience in a game you know that's why i hate games with player elimination yeah because generally they they will be a little more complicated but once that player is out of the game they're done right and then they sit there while everyone's playing and having fun and it's not necessarily going to be the shortest games either right risk is a terrible example of that though because player elimination in that game is imperative to completion of the game but you'd be eliminated and the game could go on for another two hours just because you played poorly and you have to sit there (laughs) and if you're playing with you know two or three other people though you know, if you're the first one out, then okay, well, I'm going to go home, right? Because there's no point in me sitting around watching you guys play Risk. Yeah, I've been involved in one of those where I eliminated the girl and she went for a nap. <laughs> we played for like another hour and a half. That's it was, it was rough. Yeah, it was, it was one of those situations where I kind of got into... Uh, we made a, an ally ship, but eventually your army gets too big and you have to take out Canada. It just happened that way. What? Yeah, I, I, I was I was taking over the board. 
I, eventually, you have to like turn on your allies. It's the only way you can keep going. You monster. I know. I'm, I'm horrible. Um, so I, th- I think that's it for this one. Is it not, guys? That's, yeah, uh, that's a lot good. of information to unpack. So I just I just want to say I actually went through my board game collection and I started stacking up board games on my table in front of me that like had interesting rule books and stuff, but that's fine. I want so to uh I want to talk about I all my just, board games. Yeah, I want to actually say that there there are sub games like that the rule book is so poorly designed. Yep. That it has actually made the game impossible to play. Yep. Uh without specifically saying the game because I think the game the game itself is a good game, but the rule book it took us when I when I was learning to play this game, it took me and two other people almost three hours just to try and basically understand the game. Because the rule book was designed so in such a way that one rule would tell you to reference something else, which would then tell you to reference a third thing, which would then tell you to reference that first thing over again. And the whole the whole book was kind of like filled with these, oh, check out how to do this on page whatever. With And, and it made it very, very difficult to learn the game. It's a riddle. <laughs> and uh, that's when you start seeing like a second, that's when you see second and third editions of games come out. Uh, and for the most part, when that happens, it's because they've fixed the rule books, right? So... Yeah, no, I have a, I have one or two games that I, I just they just never hit the table just because like you crack open the rule book and you're like this is this is bad. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's impossible, right? It it yeah. makes it impossible to teach that game, which is unfortunate because there's a I feel like there's a lot of good games that get missed or that don't get played because, uh, you know, it's either a new company that hasn't really learned how to make a rule book, uh, or or it just certain things fell through the cracks right yeah for sure yeah i'm uh i'm excited to now take this newfound knowledge of rules and put it put it to use but also be a little bit more mindful and wary when we are playing our next game and when the three of us play our next game i'll just listen to david and not owen because david says owen's a bad person oh i never think he's a bad person that's what this podcast has taught me today that owen is bad at stuff and he's not good at games that's it I, I wouldn't go that far. Dude, these are these are the, the these are the words yeah, that David wow. said. <laughs> very nice. I'm pretty sure I never said any of that. <laughs> no, it's all in good fun. Yeah, I, I actually, I'll, I'll personally say before I wrap this up that playing games with both the dynamic of David and Owen has actually taught me a little bit more about each game. But their play styles are very different, and they do humble my ass when I want to be a little bit too competitive because I am also learning how to play these games. They are very good teachers, and if we ever do get into Let's Plays, they would be two of the best people to learn games from. And I say that because I've learned games from them. They've taught me a bunch, and I can't wait to learn more. With that being said, this is it for us for today, and we will see you in two weeks where we talk about Betrayal and everything about Betrayal. For myself, David, and Owen, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.